uh, about this morning is about the testimony of God or God's testimony. And I believe that that can be found in Psalm 81. If you'll take uh, your Bible and turn to Psalms uh, 81, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 16. And while you find that, I want to share a little bit about what this this is talking about, the words in, in this particular part. You know, we're going to skip the first seven verses. But, but the words in this particular part of the psalm are, are very significant uh, to, to our lives and really the lives of the whole world because I believe that it does share God's testimony, um, especially unto His people. You see, God in the psalm is talking to the nation of Israel. And I don't really like reaching into the Old Testament and taking scriptures that are designated or specifically sent to a specific people at a specific time under a specific circumstance and then trying to take that and turn it around and shine a light on the church or on us. There's a lot of places that you can't really get away with that. But this isn't one of them. This is a, uh, this is a place that you can get away with that Right, readily. Uh, what what we you know we we need to know what we can expect from God, and what God expects from us as His people. And may I say that that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There's a lot of that has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But God says that there is no shadow or variableness. There is no turning in God. That He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that the same God that we worship today expects the same thing from us. And we're going to look at some of those things. And that we can expect the same thing from Him. That we see Him deal out in the Old Testament. Now I know that we're under grace, they were under law. And the grace of God in the New Testament really curtails a lot of the things that God used to do to His people. But He's still capable of those things, even in the New Testament, but they are curtailed because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Because of what God has done and fulfilled and finished, completed through the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the blood that has been shed has paid, literally paid, for our sin debt. Now, the Lamb of God, the blood of the Lamb of God was shed from before the foundation of the world in the mind of God, but now it is literally completed, and that makes a difference. And I want you to realize that I realize that. But if you'll take your uh, Bible and turn to Psalm 81 and look at verse 8 through with me, We're just going to read all the way through verse 16, which is the end of the chapter. And it says this, uh, Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. Hence the testimony of God. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel, but I'm going to take the nation of Israel, or the word Israel, out of it, and read it again, and notice this. Hear, O my people, that means anybody, anytime that are His people, I will testify unto thee, if thou wilt hearken unto me. There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, or out of the land of sin. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. 
But my people would not hearken unto my voice, and uh, you would not uh, none uh, of me. You would none, or in other words, you would have none of me. So I gave you up uh, under your own lust, or under your own heart's lust, and you walked in your own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and that you had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against your adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto Him, unto the Lord. But their time should have endured forever. In other words, certainly they're going to stay in their sin for eternity. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat And with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Father, again, we love you. We thank you for the reading of your word. And God, how we pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds. Give us wisdom and direction. Help us, God, to see exactly not not only what it is that you had to say to your people of the nation of Israel. But God, what you have to say to your people here in America. I know that we as Americans have fallen just as Israel did. So far away from your purpose and your plan. God, help us to see our need for revival. God, we know that revival is starting uh, next week. And God, how we pray that you might come and deal with our hearts, illuminate our minds, draw us as your people back to yourself. And God, we'll give you and you alone the praise and the glory for who you are and what you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, I want you to notice just uh, four Uh, or five things here out of these verses. And I believe that uh, why why we have failed to receive the blessings of God, not only as individuals, I know that I have not received the best that God had purposed for my life. And if you think that you have, I think that we all are sadly mistaken. If we don't think that our lives could have been better had we been more submissive to the will and the plan of, of God, but it's not only on an individual basis that I'm speaking here uh, to us. We're, we could talk as a church, we could talk as a state, but certainly what I'm really driving at is uh, we as a nation, as America, that were built on the fundamental foundational principles of the oracles of the Word of God, and that we have drifted so far away from what America was at one time that we, on a national scale, we truly need revival. We need a a reformation. Boy, I remember the reformation of Martin Luther and and the men back then that were were so bold. They they did not care for their lives. They they were willing to risk everything to go and to nail a a 95 thesis to a, a Catholic church and say, here's what's wrong with the church. These are things that need to be changed in order that the church might be brought back in to submission and into line with what the Word of God actually teaches in the church back then. When I say Catholic, I'm not talking about the Catholic church as of today. Back then, the Catholic church just meant the universal church. And that is where the separation, the Protestant Reformation came from. That's where all of these denominational distinctives protested out of the universal church at that time in order to bring themselves back in to submission to the will, the way, and the word of God. And would to God that we had another such revival in America today. But the very first thing that we see 
is that uh, God in His testimony to His people has given us a merciful plea that He's begging us. He's begging the nation of Israel. I believe that God is doing the same thing through people standing behind the pulpit, pulpits of America, going into the prisons and wherever it is that they go to share the gospel, to share the truth, to share the word of God. And he's giving them a plea and he pleads with them. And, I, and you go back to verse eight and take a look. The first thing that he says unto them in verse eight is what? Hear, oh, my people, you know, I, I know that the Bible in the book of Revelation says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. And we're not talking about the physical ears hanging on the side of our head. Everybody, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, except, and I mean, if they're born deaf or if they become deaf, but everybody has a set of ears to physically hear what it is that is being preached from behind the pulpits of America. But they don't have the spiritual ears of their heart in tune to what it is that God is saying and he's he's saying you know hearken unto me listen to me don't listen to the world don't listen to your mom or your daddy or your friends or your your wife or i mean even job you know if he'd have listened to his wife she said curse god and die and he says oh no i can't i can't do that but do you understand that the devil speaks to us through a lot of different avenues he speaks to us through the televisions the radios the iPods, the iPhones of the world, and we have our minds so entrenched in worldly things that we don't have our spiritual antenna on, and we're not really listening to what it is that the Holy Spirit of God is saying to the church. And God's first first plea is please listen. Listen to what the Word of God says. And if you really hear, not physically, but if you spiritually hear what the Holy Spirit of saying is saying to the church, to the spiritual people of God, then it'll have an effect in your life. It'll change not only your destiny, which I hope it already has, but it'll change our activities. It'll change the way we live and the things that we do. But secondly... In verse 9, you look at what it says. It says, there shall no strange God be in thee. There shall be no strange God in thee. Now, I know that we're not inhabited by strange gods. The devil cannot in, inhabit me. That, that is a demonic possession. Uh, some spiritual imp. I... I, I don't know another word really to call the fallen angelic host of heaven that sinned after the similitude of, of Satan and were cast out of heaven to the earth. And now there are thousands of demonic forces that literally do come. I, th I think people forget that possession is a real thing. That there are lost people out there that are demonically possessed and under the control of Satan. But we as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. All things pass away. All things are new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And the Holy Spirit of God lives in me. Now it's impossible for me to be indwelt or possessed by a demonic spirit. So when this says, there shall be no strange God in thee, what it's talking about is the attitude of our heart and mind. That we worship things other than the true God. 
My friend, that is not only possible by the lost world, but it is possible for the Christian world as well. That we can allow things of the flesh, things of the world, to take the position of deity in our lives. It's not that, that another deity, actual uh, other spirit, is actually indwelling us, but that we have bowed down at the altars of the flesh and the altars of the world. And God is saying, hey, listen, listen, don't do that. Because in the moment that you do that, then instead of me being on your side and being for you, then you have now made me an enemy, even though I am your God, even though you are my child, even though you are safe. And when you die, you'll still go to heaven. Now that you have turned away from me and turned to the things of the flesh, I have become an adversary to you. He shares that nothing should be. No, that's not true, is it? It says there shall be. There's a big difference between should be and shall be. See, shall be. What God is saying is when He says, There shall be no strange God in thee, that is a, that is a direct commandment. That is not a request. It's saying, well, you know, you, you shouldn't do that. No, He's saying you shall not do that. And the moment that we say, I'll do what I want to, then all of a sudden He ceases. Not He doesn't cease to be Lord. But we cease to submit to His Lordship, then He ceases to be Lord over our life. And all of a sudden, instead of Lord, He is adversary to us. He shares that there should be nothing that is allowed to take His place in our heart and in our affection. It's not a request. It's not optional the way... Eddie used to tell me about our daycare, those parts that were left. Well, those are optional. No, the Word of God is not optional. And we as the children of God have no option as to setting it aside and doing what we please. And then in verse 10, you look at this. It says, I, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Do you remember when God reached into your heart, eliminated your mind, regenerated your soul, drew you to Himself, brought you out of not literally, physically the land of Egypt, but the land of Egypt is a picture of sin in our lives. And He eliminated, that's regeneration. And by faith we came out of Egypt and submitted and surrendered rendered our lives to the Lordship of Christ. Well, again, it says, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Egypt. Now open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. What are you talking about? What are you talking about when you say open your mouth wide and I will fill it? Is, is it? is it that God is going to give us the words to say when we open our mouths to share the word of God? Certainly that's true. I believe that if we are submissive to the will of God, the way of God, then God will move in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And He told His disciples, Give no thought to what you shall say, for I will put the words in your mouth that you are to share with a lost and dying world. But I believe it's even different than that. I believe that God is saying that if we will submit... If we will do one, hearken, listen to Him. If we shall not have strange gods in our lives and chase after the things of the flesh, then God will give us the desires of our heart and He will fill our souls with righteousness. See, we open our mouths to be fed. We open our mouths to speak and we share what it is that God feeds us. And I'm not talking about materialistically. 
talking about on both ends of that thing spiritually. That if we open our mouths to be fed by the Word of God through the preaching of the Word of God, then God will fill us to the running over with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God and the testimony. See, God is sharing His testimony with us that we might be able to go out and share His testimony with a lost and dying world. And if we will separate ourselves, if we will listen, and we will not bow down to the altars of the world and the flesh, then God will fill us with His Spirit to the point that it just flows out to a lost and dying world. Listen again. I ask you, have you shared your testimony? Have you shared the testimony of God with a lost and dying world in such a way that, boy, they are desperate, they are hungry, they are thirsty for the things of God, and there's very little of it going around the world. I remember a sermon that I, I preached a long time ago. I may need to dig it out and blow the dust off of it. It's called No, no Bread in the House of Bread. Of course, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Well, this is the church, the house of bread. And there's very little bread being spread to the congregation in the house of bread. My friend, it's not just up to your pastor to teach you those things, but it is your responsibility as a Christian to learn them at home. Listen, come to church, go to Sunday school, study the Word of God with every everything that you can. But if you're not getting fed, then feed yourself. Sit down at home in a quiet place, open the Bible, pray and read and beg God to share with you His Word, His light, His understanding of what it is His will for your life is. Well, secondly, it's not only the merciful plea that God has given to us, but He shares with us the gracious purpose that He is giving us this testimony. The love that saved our souls from sin wants to be a blessing to others. You understand what he's saying? You look at verse 13. It says this. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my way. That's not 13, that's 11. Yeah, that's 13. I'm sorry, that's correct. 13, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and walked in my way. Then he would have done three things. If, if we, and the same thing, well, you know, we're not just talking about Israel. We're talking about the church. We're talking about God's people. And if God's people would hearken, listen to him as he commanded in the first part of this, then he would do these things. First of all, in verse 14, he would subdue their enemies. Look at 14. I soon or should soon have subdued their enemies. Now, you know, victory would have been theirs had they just followed after God. May I say the same thing would be true with the church in America today, we, we are, God is not failing. I, I cannot accept that idea or thought. And I've, I've read behind some people that actually let those words just fall out of their mouth. I don't think God is failing. I think the church has failed. I think the nation of Israel failed. That's why God cut them off and grafted somebody else in called the Gentiles. And He called us to do the same thing that He called the nation of Israel to do. And that is to share the truth of the Word of God. 
It is a gracious purpose for which He has given us a merciful plea. The merciful plea was, listen, listen to me. Don't bow down to God's. Follow after me. Open your mouth. First of all, I'll fill it with something that will fill your heart, that will overflow to the world around you. And if we'll do that, there's a gracious purpose behind it. That it might reach into the world. That it might illuminate and regenerate and draw and save. That it might you know, act as salt for a purification. Not only of the heart and the flesh and the people, but of the nation itself. And we as the church have done the same thing that the people of God in the Old Testament have done. We've hid our light under a basket. We've kept it to ourselves. Well, you know, there's churches on every corner. There's preachers on every channel. Certainly, the Word of God is going out. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to share my testimony. I don't have to share the testimony of God. I don't have to live the life and let other people see Christ in me. Do you understand? Those are the things that we as individuals are called by God to do. He would have... Uh, subdued the enemies of the church and of the cross and of Christ. Victory would have been theirs had they followed Him. But secondly, not only would He have subdued their enemies, but He would have made their haters of the Lord submit to Him. You look at verse 15. It says this, The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto Him, but their time should have endured forever. Now, what does that mean? That means if I listen... If I don't have false gods, if I open my mouth and receive and then I share that testimony with the lost and dying world, then that lost and dying world, the haters of the Lord, would submit to Him. You got people in your family that don't know the Lord. You got people on your job where you work, don't know the Lord. Are you sharing your testimony? Are you sharing the Word of God? Are you letting the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you flow through you, through your tongue, through your mind, through the things that you know are true about the Word of God? And are you reaching into their hearts, their minds, their homes, their families and having an impact on them? If we would do the things that God had mercifully pled for us to do, then the gracious purpose of God would be being fulfilled in our lives, in our homes, our families, our church, our nation today. Thirdly, look at verse 16. It says this, He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and the honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. He would have fed them the finest of wheat. Satisfied them. Do you understand His purpose is to subdue the enemies, to save the sinners, and to satisfy the saints. We are living a life as a as a group of Christians. Isn't that an amazing thought? That we as Christians are unsatisfied in the world that God has given to us in the nation that God has given to us. We turn on the television. We look and we see these clowns that are running our world. Running our nation. They have absolutely no idea who God is. Well, how'd they get there? Oh, we voted them in. And the sad truth is is that a lot of people who go by the name of Christ are the ones pulling the levers, voting the people in or pushing the buttons, whatever. Voting the people into the positions that they have to lead our country astray. 
The song comes to mind, Joker's to the left of me. You know the rest of it. It's, it's sad, to be honest with you, the state of affairs in America. Especially when we, we have so much potential. We, we have so much wealth. We have so much power. We have so much scripture and Bible and church and everything that America needs to thrive and to be great again. I, I love that terminology. America can be great again. Make America, MAGA, make America great again. And we had a man that was in the office that was striving and struggling and pushing forward to do that. And one term and he was gone. And now we've got a joker in the White House that cannot tie his shoes. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's true. Why? Why? You say, well, it's because of those lost people out there. No, I'm telling you that God is giving America what America deserves because of America's choices on how to live their lives in private. You see, if we live our lives... In private, the way we live them in public before the rest of, you know, letting other people that call themselves, you know, we want to keep the stiff upper lip and we want to put on airs in front of people, but we let our hair down and we do the things that we know we ought not do when we're at home alone. That's why it's so hard to testify and to, to share our, our testimony to our own families because they know us. Well, God is saying that He has a gracious purpose for us to... Subdue the enemy, save the sinners, and to satisfy the saints. But also, he has a sorrowful complaint. Now, now we, we went ahead, but you back up and look at verse 11 for just a second. It, it says, but, but my people would not hearken unto my voice. We skipped that a minute ago and went straight to 13 from 10. But my people would not hearken unto my voice and would none of me. We will not have this man to rule over. Oh, we'll have this man to forgive us of our sins. We'll have this man to go to church and to drop our dollar in the plate and do all of the things that outwardly look righteous and, and religious. But to have him literally to live on the throne of my heart and to rule and to reign in my life. Not so sure I can submit myself that, but my people would not hearken unto my voice, and they would have none of me. They rejected his word by not submitting to his voice, is what it says. And in rejecting his word, what did they reject? They rejected him. You see, you cannot have one without the other. You cannot have Christ and not have his word. You cannot submit your life to the lordship of the person of Christ. And not submit your life to the Lordship of His Word. And what it is that He expects, no, what it is that He demands from us. You would none of me. You can't have just some of Him. See, it says you would, you would have none of me. Well, I don't want all of you. I want just a little of you. Well, no, you can't have just a Savior without having Lord. There is no such thing as salvation that is not Lordship. Salvation. Now, I know that at the time you bent the knee and bowed the head and surrendered your heart and your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and received Him as your Lord and Savior, 
You meant that at the time and you are saved. But now that you've gotten up and five years or 15 years have gone down the road and you have withdrawn or you've taken back some of the Lordship to yourself. That is why we need revival. Not only in America, but in our individual lives. In our church, in our community, in our our state, in our nation. We need revival. Fourthly, not only a sorrowful complaint, but you look at the next verse in verse 12, and you see the miserable condition. You you see what happens when we do the things that we have done and and we decide, well, we we want the Savior, but we don't want the Lord. And you see, when we bring ourselves to that point, no matter how long it took us to get there, it, it, it makes a difference in the way we live our lives and how we view the world, how we view everything. It gives us a different world view. It says, so I gave them up in verse 12. So I gave them up under the lust of their own heart. Boy, I... I I can think of several verses that go along with that. And nearly every one of them speak of law. Oh, wait a minute. You know, there are, this is speaking to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel, the Bible says not all of Israel is Israel. Not all of the people that go by the name of Israel are of the, of the faith of Abraham. Oh, well, they are of the blood of Abraham. And it was the blood of Abraham that made them Israelites in the flesh. But it is the faith of Abraham that made them children of God in the Spirit. And that is the exact same truth that we have for the people of God today in the church. It is not the blood that runs through our veins that make us who we are. It is the faith that we have in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our submission to that Lordship that make us the children of God. So not all of Israel was Israel means that the reason that you're not doing what you're called to do is, oh, I think he said that to his Pharisees. In the, that was John chapter 8. He says, you hear not what I say. You are not obedient to what I command because you are not of my sheep. That should scare every one of us in this room, including your pastor, to death. Because I realize that I willfully disobey God from time to time. And if I can't hear Him, and if I don't obey Him, He's telling those Pharisees, and this is the New Testament, of course, He's speaking on Old Testament terminology, because the New Testament doesn't start until the book of Acts. But he's still telling them the reason that you cannot hear me, the reason that you will not obey me, the reason that you will not follow me is not it's not that you're not sheep because you don't believe, it's that you don't believe because you're not sheep. That's scary. That's a wake up call to every one of us that go by the name of Christ, that call ourselves Christians but live like hell. That call ourselves Lovers of God and lovers of the Word of God and lovers of the Spirit of God. And yet we're still in love with the flesh and the world and the things of the flesh and the things of 
the world. It says this, So I gave them up. Boy, that's a... I gave them up. That, that, that is Romans chapter 1 terminology that says I turned them over to a reprobate mind. I gave them up to the lust of their own heart. And to be given up by Him because of the stubbornness of our unbelief. That means utter defeat. In the presence of Satan and the world and the flesh. You know those are the three enemies of Christ and the cross and the church. The enemies will not be subdued is what he said. The sinners will not be converted is what he says. Satisfaction is not achieved by the church is what he said. And the reason is, is because we have drifted so far away from what the Bible teaches that he has given us up to the lust of the flesh and the things of our own Hearts and desires. My friend, listen, we, we need to realize that that does straddle us. God is speaking to us on that level. And lastly, I want to say one more thing to you. That a powerless and fruitless church, a failing economy, a national upheaval, those are the painful evidences that God's voice is being unheard and unheeded. You look around America today. You just turn on the television, turn on Fox News or CNN. It doesn't matter. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you, it does not take you but just a minute to figure out that America is neck deep in sin and we are in so much trouble. And the reason that it is painfully evidenced that God's voice is not being heard and unheeded. That we're not listening and that we're not acting and that we are walking in the counsels of our own flesh and our own desire, guided by the ignorance of men like Joe Biden to the neglect of the word and the wisdom and the counsel of God. And we are not being faithful to the things God has commanded us to be faithful to. And we expect a change. Do you understand what I found out the definition of the word insanity is? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different outcome. And that is exactly where America is at. We will not change, but we are expecting a different outcome. God's desire is to make His people more than conquerors. But in order for that to be done, we have to hearken diligently unto God. And to eat that which is good. Eat it. Assimilate it. Devour it. Let it become a part of actually who you are. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. God, forgive us for our sins. Strengthen us in those areas that we're weak. Help us, God, to... To be aware, not only of our own testimony and the testimony that we're sharing with the world. It can be a good testimony, the godly testimony, a, a, a testimony of godly heritage that you have moved in our heart and changed our lives. Or it can be a wicked, evil testimony that we claim to be the children of God, but we live like the children of Sodom and Gomorrah. Help us, God, to turn away from sin. Help us to live a life and to share a godly testimony. Help us to share your testimony 
of who we as your people should be. We'll give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.